All right. Well, what's up, everybody? It's so good to see you here this Sunday morning. Uh, Mark, what is going on? These people showed up to church a little turned up uh, and a little rowdy this morning. I don't know how it is on the chats, but you guys are loud, and I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a good Sunday. We're so glad to have you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. If you're outside or if you're in the live studio audience, we are so glad that you are part of the conversation today. My name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here at Eden Church, and we are all about helping people take a next step with Jesus, no matter where you are at on the journey. And so we're pumped that you're here with us today. Can we show one more uh, moment of gratitude to the dads in the room this morning? We're grateful for you. We're grateful for you. Now, we realize that for some, Father's Day is actually kind of a heavy day, right? Maybe you didn't have the type of dad that you needed to have as you were growing up, or maybe you lost a father, or maybe your relationship with your father isn't as healthy as it has been in the past. And so we want you to know that we feel you on that. Uh, that is heavy. You're not alone in that. But we hope, my prayer is that by the end of the day, even if there is a gap in your heart as a result of your earthly father that we can all step in and realize the hope that we have because of the love of our Heavenly Father. So we're grateful for that. And ladies, I have some good news for you. This message this morning is primarily directed at the fathers or the fathers-to-be. And, uh, and, but uh, my hope and my prayer is that it applies to every person's life in some way or another. My wife, uh, usually, uh, if... Uh, uh, a holiday lands on a Sunday morning. She'll celebrate the holiday the day before. And so yesterday I got to celebrate my Father's Day. And my, my wife asked my son to make me a card. And, and it's not often that your young child uh, really collectively puts together and articulates the value that you mean to him, the level of impact that you have had uh, in his life. And so my son put together a card for me. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. You may not be able to read it, but it says, thanks for the cocoa and sea salt, which was the oatmeal that I had just made for him. So you know what? Uh, we don't always get the love uh, that's tied, to, tied to, to the commitment we make to our families, but uh, it, it, was, it was fun. So I hope your Father's Day is as good as mine has been. But let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every person that stepped into this building, that stepped on campus, or that joined online. God, we're thankful for all that you're doing in this place, and we ask, God, that you'd begin to open up our hearts, that if we came here burdened by the week, worried about the future, Lord, for just a moment, would you allow for us to lay aside those fears and those worries and those concerns, and would you open up our hearts so that we can receive from you this morning? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you may rec recognize the name Billy Graham. He was an icon of the 20th century. He was a spiritual influencer, maybe more than any other individual in the history of the world. Some people think that Billy Graham shared his faith with about one billion people over the course of his lifetime. And we have to remember that this was before the, uh, most of his ministry took place before the, the proliferation of the internet. And so he traveled to every single continent on the globe. He hung out with kings and queens and dignitaries. He was the advisor to several U.S. presidents. And at the end of his life, he was asked a question in an interview. And he said, the interviewer asked, what regrets do you have when it comes to your life? And he said, if I could do it all over again, he said, I would have spent more time with my children. 
Today we're going to talk about the one thing every good father knows is that fatherhood is about time. Okay, I want you to say that with me so that if someone asks you, would you learn at Eden Church on Sunday morning, you'll have one thing to share with them. It's about time. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to say it's about time. One, two, three, it's about time. We could do better than that. You were rowdy this morning, and then when I ask you to say three words, you can't say it. Let's try that one more time, all right? On the count of three, one, two, three, it's about time. That's what I'm talking about. This morning, we're going to talk about the one thing that every good father knows. It's about time. And so to do that, we're going to be in the Old Testament. This is also known as the Hebrew Bible. It's the first part of your Bible. And we're going to look at an interaction between a father and their child in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. It says, then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. You guys may have heard of the name David, King David. He was the greatest king in the history of Israel. And he was really unique from the time that he was just a young boy. We're told that as a shepherd, he killed a bear and a lion to protect his flock. We were told that as a teenager, he fought and defeated a giant that nearly every military leader in the land was afraid to stand against. As an adult, he conquered nations. As a king, he brought together a divided country And he made Israel the most dominant kingdom in the entire world. And at this point in his life, it seemed like there was almost nothing that David could not accomplish. But toward the end of his life, as an act of gratitude for all that he saw God doing in and throughout his career, he wanted to build a temple as a symbol of God's dwelling place. But the problem was is that David was a man of war. He had shed blood. And so in a sense... It had disqualified him from having that position. And it was heartbreaking for David. And this passage really begins to show us the transition between David and his son. And it shows us how David begins to position his son to do what he could never do. And so he calls together, it says, all the leaders, all the dignitaries of the land. He affirms his son as the new king. He commissions him for the building of the temple. And he leverages every single bit of his resources for his son to do what he could never do. And I think that in a sense, this is a picture of the unspoken hope that every father has for their child. Is that deep down inside, every father hopes that their child will become more than what they had become. And every time that I had read this passage before, I thought that the value of this moment was the presence that David was giving to Solomon. But as I have become a father, I realize, and as I've read the passage over, that it's not as, as much about the presence that David was giving to Solomon as much as his presence was given to Solomon. Because if we look at the life of David, there is no other example in any season of his life that he spent this much of his own investment developing his own children to the degree that he was developing Solomon. Because in this time, he was spending every single one of his resources to make sure that Solomon would succeed. And so they planned, and they strategized, and they dreamed, and they worked together together to make this transition a success. 
And because of this moment, maybe more than any other moment in the life of David, I think that David has so much to teach us about fatherhood. I think the first thing that we learn from David is that no father is perfect. David was not a perfect father. In fact, if we were to have a detailed account of his life, there are far more bad examples of his parenting than there are good examples of his parenting. And it probably doesn't take us very long to think of even the shortcomings of our own family and our own father, right? As I grew up, a lot of people asked me if I, if I knew how to speak Spanish. And the answer is no. The answer is no. But the foundation of what little Spanish I do know was built upon words that I cannot repeat in church. And all of these words are words that my father taught me, okay? So was my dad a perfect dad? No, he wasn't. And when I look at my own parenting, was, am I a perfect parent? The answer is no. And it didn't take very long for me to figure that out. I can think of so many times that I have responded and reacted to my children in a way that I regret. I can think about so many times in my life that I have modeled for my children something that I would never want to see in them as a behavior. And so I know that I am not a perfect father. And I think that the problem is, is that for so many of us fathers in the room, we carry the weight of regret for our behaviors because we have been living under the expectation of perfection. And it's hard. I was just talking to my brother the other day. And he was telling me with a heavy heart, like legitimately heavy heart, how bad he feels because of some of the decisions that he made when he was raising his children. He was brokenhearted about it. But I had to remind him. I said, Raymond, I said, I call him Junior. I said, Junior, your kids are all teenagers and they love Jesus. Now, I don't know what you did wrong, but I can tell you what you did right. Okay? But I also had to remind him, I said, Junior, you cannot beat yourself up because now that you're in a different season of life, you would have done di things differently. You cannot beat up that 20-year-old version of you who was stressed out, who was trying to figure out life, who was doing all that he could that he had available to him to provide for his family. All right? I said, your child never went hungry one night, did they? They never slept out on the street, did they? They always had a loving father that came home. You did some stuff right. And I think that there are probably some of us in the room this morning that need to stop beating up that older version of ourselves, who 20 years later, at a different season of life, would have done something differently. Obviously, that's all of us when we have hindsight. But we got to stop tearing down that less mature, that inexperienced version of ourself because we made mistakes. You were never perfect. No father is perfect, but I do believe that every father is valuable. David, every father is valuable. David wasn't perfect, but he was still valuable. And in this moment, we see this. He used what he had within his authority to be a blessing to his children. And what I love about this moment is that David didn't let his past parenting failures define how he was going to parent in the future. He didn't allow for it to dictate the way that he would love his children for the rest of his life. I think that a lot of men in our culture let failures impact their fathering. 
I thought that for a long time, in my mind, I said, if I'm not successful to the world, how will my children ever respect me? How will my kids ever love me? But this is what I learned, is that you do not have to be valuable to everybody else to be valuable to your children. You do not have to be valuable to everybody else to be valuable to your children. I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't even have to be valuable to yourself to be valuable to your children. Because there are so many people that have the wrong view of who you are. And it doesn't matter what they think. And this is the reality, is that your children's view of who you are is probably a far more accurate view of who you really are than what everyone else has to say about you. So don't let that impact your parenting. Because the reality is that your children only get one father. So no matter what you think about who you are, you are a precious commodity in their lives. They don't get another dad. And what I love about David in this moment is that he didn't allow for his past parenting failures to define how he would love his children in the future. And what this shows us, too, is that it is never too late to change. It is never... It is never too late to change because what we look at in the life of David, the very next chapter begins to describe the end of his life. He knew that his time on this earth was coming to an end, and he could have given up on getting better and growing as a father. He could have said, it is what it is. I can't change. I'm not going to make any significant difference in the life of my children. I have already created a pattern and a cycle dictating our relationship. But in his mind, he had the courage to keep getting better. And I realized that I am probably speaking to a room full of people who have lived some life, right? We have experienced some stuff. We've been around the block a few times. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and I think that the reality is that some of us probably have complicated relationships with our children. I can't imagine all the details that are tied up into that statement, but I can imagine that, that if you have lived the life and you have dealt with problems and you have had to dig deep in your own life to make sense of what's going on in the world, you were not going to do this perfectly, and that complicates relationships. But what you need to hear this morning is that it's not too late to change. It's not too late to change. I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not even saying that it's going to work out. But it's not too late to try. It's not too late to change the way that you talk to each other. It's not too late to let them know that you still love them. It's not too late to use the time that you have left to give to them, investing in their life, getting to know them at a new level. It's not easy, but it's not too late. This last Friday, I had the privilege of attending a memorial service of a man who started a church in downtown San Jose where my mom came to faith and her life was radically transformed. And so it was a really powerful, powerful experience. And whenever I get to go to a funeral or a memorial service like that, it really, oh, it just touches my heart. Because what funerals and memorial services have the power to do is it causes you to reflect on your own mortality. 
It causes you to start asking some of those deeper questions in life, like what am I here for? What am I giving my time to? What am I doing here? And what I love about this service is that it was so unique and so perfectly tied to what we're talking about this morning because when I walked in, I saw a big sign that said, Dad Irwin. Now, Dad is not his first name, but it's kind of interesting because people who were connected to him in his life saw him as a father figure. And so I thought this is going to be interesting to see what people have to say about the life that he lived. And person after person after person came up and told the story about how he invested his time in them. They didn't talk about him bailing them out with money. They didn't talk about any gifts that he gave them. They didn't talk about presence. But over and over again, they talked about his presence in their life. Being a dad, more than you can give anything to your children, is about the time. Because do you know how children spell love? It is T-I-M-E. There was a world-renowned child psychologist who was once asked, what do your children need to be confident and healthy adults? And he said the single greatest gift that any parent can give to their children is to let them know that the parent enjoys the presence of their children. They enjoy being around them. They enjoy being with them. They enjoy who God created them to be. That is the single greatest thing that you can give your children. And I wonder this week as we step out of the conversation this morning how we can begin as fathers to remind our children how much we love them. To begin to think strategically, and I know that we're all busy. I know that we all got careers. I know we're all trying to survive here in Silicon Valley, trying to make sense of the world and live. But how can we be intentional about the time that we give to our children? Because a lot of people think that money is the most valuable thing, but it's not. Because you can lose money and you can make more money. But when you lose time, you don't get that back. And so I want to challenge us this morning, whether you're a father or a mother or a friend or a spouse, to the people who are most significant to us in this life, how do we give them more time? I love the message that it is never too late to change. Because honestly, this is the story of Scripture. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, no matter what drama you've experienced through the course of your life, it is never too late to change. The Bible teaches us that we're always just one prayer away from re-engaging in that relationship with God, no matter how far that we no matter how far we've gone. And I recognize that there are probably a lot of people who have stepped into the conversation this morning that came here feeling a little bit distant from God. And I never, never assume that you have stepped into this conversation by accident. It is because there is a God who loves you and is reminding you that he hasn't forgotten you. And he is your heavenly father. And he loves you.
And this morning, if that reflects where you're at in this season of life, I want to give you an opportunity to invite God back into your story or perhaps to invite him into your story for the very first time. And so I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and bow their head and close their eyes. And if this morning you want to invite God back into your life, if you want to take a step of faith and believe in Jesus for the first time, I want you to pray this prayer after me in your heart. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being a father who I can count on. Thank you for loving and pursuing me even when I wasn't interested in you. Today, I recognize that I have tried to live my life on my own and it is not working. God, this morning, I want to experience what it's like to have faith. I want to trust you. And so I want to invite you into my heart. This morning, I want to leave the old life behind and step into a brand new life with you. This morning, I believe that you loved me enough to send your son to sacrifice his life on my behalf to carry the weight of sin that I could not carry. In Jesus' name, I believe. I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I want to ask you to take one more step of faith this morning. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, would you just raise your hand so that we can know what God is doing in this place this morning? I see you. 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 God, we thank you that you have not stopped working and moving in this community. You haven't stopped changing lives, restoring relationships, redeeming marriages, God, giving us perspective from your eyes. And God, this morning, I don't know where we're at, but I know that all of us at some level have some kind of father wound in our hearts. God, we are asking for you to fill in the gap. God, I pray for all the fathers in the room, listening online, outside. God, would you begin to give them a heart to pursue you. Because God, we live our fullest life when we are most aligned with you. And we can imagine how much that impacts generations to come. Father, we thank you that you are continuing to transform and redeem lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.